the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Opinions expressed in the following program may not reflect those of Salem Media of Colorado or its sponsors. This is Life in Colorado, a radio news magazine about the issues, events, and the unique life we live in the Centennial State. Keep on in Colorado. Hello and welcome to Life in Colorado. This week we are starting our Colorado author series. For this first edition, I need to let you know, listener discretion is advised. The author is Scott Sterling. The name of his book is Teenage Degenerate. And the book encompasses a less than one year period when he lived in the Denver metro area when he was a heavy meth user. Now, once again, life in Colorado, Salem Media, we do not in any way, shape and or form condone drug use of any kind. However, this gentleman's story is real. It's happened and it needs to be shared. So uh, we're going to take a little bit of a, a commercial break. Stay with us. You're a successful sales pro. You're making good money. So what's missing? Do you need something bigger than commissions? Salem Media Group in Denver is seeking an integrated marketing consultant who shares our sense of mission and wants to grow with a great company. We need an experienced, uncompromising self-starter who understands selling, marketing, and ad strategies for digital and broadcast. Join our team and fuel that fire in your belly as you work with existing clients and develop new business in the Denver metro. Go to SalemMedia.com slash careers for more. This month, we are going to be showcasing authors. So we're going to kick it off with a segment featuring author Scott Sterling. His book, Teenage Degenerate, it's a gritty look at the realness of Colorado. We know it is beautiful here. We know that, that there are a lot of positive activities going on. But we also know that there are some opportunities for individuals to get into some not-so-positive activities. Uh, we've seen some recent surges in years as far as opioids, and, of course, we have legalized marijuana now. So let's go ahead and talk about his book, Teenage Degenerate. Scott, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Let's go ahead and start out with a, a little bit of background. How did you, when did you wake up and realize, hey, I'm an author, I'm a writer, this is what I want to do? I feel like I started writing sometime middle school and continued throughout high school and pretty much up to where this book kind of takes place. And then events happen in the book. And then after the book ends, I switched my creative kind of outlets to music. And then I kind of came back to it as I got older. Yes. And there are definitely those music elements uh, highlighted in the book. Well, portions of the book, of course, are, are significantly based in our Denver metropolitan area. Is this book a semi-autobiographical or totally complete realness all about you? It is complete about me. It's a memoir. 
Okay, I'll go ahead and give us a little bit of a, a backdrop of a, what is it, a 13-year-old you? Yeah, so I moved here with my family when I was 13 um, from Washington State. Um, my dad moved out here for a job, and I've been here ever since. Um, the book is kind of, well, it is about me and my friends that I met in high school and kind of the year or so after we graduated, um, us just kind of getting deeper and deeper into drug addiction. What particular areas of town were you hanging out in back then? So Southwest Denver, um, I grew up in Littleton. Um, so yeah, all those areas. Morrison, the book features Red Rocks in one or two chapters, I believe. Um, so yeah, the, the more Southwest area. Uh, go ahead and share with our audience a bit about uh, not just uh, your descent uh, with drugs, but how did you get started with drugs? Was it recreation or or what happened? Like most high school kids, I started drinking in high school, um, started smoking weed. My friends were doing some of the harder drugs in high school. I kind of skipped out on them, wasn't partaking in any of that. And then about... Right after high school, I was my first time using meth, and within three months, I was using it almost a few times a week, almost daily. Now, you weren't uh, someone just using and hanging out by yourself. You had a crew. Yes. Okay. And now, and and I know, you know, you had some some dark times with them, but there are some times in the book that it seemed like there were some some genuine bonds. Uh, was it Brad, Mark? Uh, who else? There were some mentions of, of Claire. I mean, Craig. Yeah. Jake, yeah. Craig and Jake. Now, tell me a little bit about the, not about the drug use, of course, because, of course, we know about that. But tell me about the bonds that occurred between the young men back in the 90s in the Denver metro area. Um, well, we were all kind of in the same situation. None of us were going to college. None of us really kind of knew what we were going to do. Um, me and Jake were both working at King Supers as courtesy clerks, and um, I actually met him in eighth grade, and we that's one of the guys I started smoking weed with somewhere in high school, and it just kind of, he started doing drugs, and then a few other people started doing drugs, and it just kind of, felt like it kind of just snowballed, and everyone, I mean, we went from drinking to doing meth. So, now, you mentioned that you were both working. I mean, it was, it was a king super, I understand that. But, you know, we all start out small. But was it that you had so much free time on your hands? Were the drugs just readily available? Because, I mean, that's not it's a not really a normal, you know, progression from, you know, alcohol a little bit. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. You said smoking weed a bit to the drug that ended up being, you know, your drug of choice, the crystal meth. How did, how did that happen? Did you have a lot of free time and, and just extra money or... <laughs> No, um, I mean, we were working 40 hours a week, and it was just, I mean, it, I, it just felt like a, a progression that we went through. I mean, we were drinking, and after a while, someone at a party offered one of them Coke, and then kind of escalated from Coke to meth, and then before we knew it, we were all just kind of doing it on a regular basis. So it was just all over the place, basically. It was yeah. there, and, and it was just something to do, and then next thing you know, it was just... A, a habit, a, a part of your day, something you had to figure out. Yeah. Hmm. So the first part of it, I mean, I feel like most people didn't know. Um, we were still, we still had regular employment, most of us. Um, 
that are living kind of, I mean, we're all, we're all 19, 20. We're all still living with our parents. None of them knew. So um, I feel like we did a good job of hiding it from kind of everyone outside of our group. Yeah, and they probably figured, oh, they're just probably drinking a little. No big deal. Yeah. Yeah, and just look to the left. Hmm. Uh, we're talking uh, with Scott Sterling about his book, Teenage Degenerate, and he is going to go ahead and honor us with a bit of a reading from the book. I'll go ahead and hand it over to you, Scott. Thank you. This was the start of three concerts in nine days. Tool Up Mammoth Event Center, Deftones on Saturday night at Ogden Theater, and Stone Temple Pilots on November the 14th at McNichols Sports Arena. I spent two days sleeping, eating, and resting my body to prepare for this nine-day expedition of music, drugs, and alcohol. Craig and Mark were on a mission to get higher than we'd have ever been. They put together a mess fund and raised $650 with Craig throwing in almost a third of that. Craig returned from Steve's with 14 grams of crystal meth, almost a half ounce, enough meth to supply a small army of junkies or the five of us. Craig poured the entire contents of the baggie onto the kitchen table and formed a yellow white powder mountain that was inches high. It was our Scarface moment. I'd never seen that much crystal at one time. It was exciting and intimidating at the same time. A federal prison sentence for possession of 5 to 49 grams of pure meth is a minimum of five years for the first offense. Depending on how much the product was cut with, we had enough in our possession that would put us in prison for at least a half a decade. Well, okay. Indoor baseball, anyone? Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. <laughs> I mean, a beautiful reading. Thank you so much. I appreciate that oh, so much. <laughs> but but it's, it's, I'm sitting here with my mouth hanging open and i know that this is radio so words are required so let me try to get some in my mouth wow <laughs> you said you were resting up so you could ha- have a, a nice binge now at that point did you feel that maybe that you might be a little bit addicted oh yeah that was so the book starts in summer of 96 and this was november at the beginning of november 96 so this was five months after i had the whole entire book takes place over a year and a half period, so it's pretty quick. Um, but yeah, by that point, I did know. Like, I was, I had already lost my job at King Supers and kind of working odd jobs. Everyone else had lost their jobs by this point, um, and we were just all kind of finding what we could to get by. You paint a, a, a picture of a, a moment in time in Denver, as far as uh, the businesses and and where you were hanging out, and and just what was the energy like back here? I mean, of course, the drug use, so there was a little bit of a filter going on, but but what was it like at the heart of things then? Um, I mean, it was a lot smaller, obviously, um, and I feel like it was a lot more dangerous. I don't know if it felt dangerous because I was young and on drugs, or um, or what it was. I don't. I feel like it's a lot safer now, even though it's a lot bigger. It, it was a tighter group of people, like obviously because it was small. I uh, I spent a good amount of time researching and just. I wrote, it took me a year and a half to write and edit it, and I put everything into it. And, yeah, since then, I've kind of just been like, okay, like, I'm going to tr- not forget, but, yeah, not remember 
everything and just kind of move on from it. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, it has been about two years since the book came out. Uh, you make some mentions of, of things that you did, you know, and things that, that happened while you were using. How are things with the friends and family now? Um, they're great. Um, so the last chapter of me stopping using, I've never... I've never done crystal again. I've never even thought about it. Um, so consider myself pretty lucky. Everyone else in the book, for the most part, well, my core group of friends, all but one are clean. Um, I haven't talked to two in probably over a decade. One of them is still using from last time I heard. The other one's clean. Um, Jake is actually becoming a drug counselor. He's been in School for the last few years, finally decided he wanted to become a drug counselor. Um, Craig, he's, he moved to California. He never came back, but he's been clean. I'm still in contact with him. Everything, I mean, it's been 20 years, so everything's kind of smoothed over with all the friends and family. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's mm. good. Now, as I mentioned, I was looking for a, a nice, a nice, wholesome book about teenage life in Colorado. And and was advised by a friend of a friend to go ahead and grab teenage degenerate, which which I did. <laughs> what did they suggest to you? What, what, well, what, how did that conversation go? I'm just kind of curious. I, I'm new to the area, and I, I wanted to do a story about the youth here. You know what the what the culture is like or was like because my roommate is actually from here, born and raised. And he's like, you know oh, what? Okay. You need to check this book out. And he he's a very enlightened individual. I think he was trying to shock me, but in all honesty, I couldn't really <laughs> put the book down. So it's kind of my own fault. I could have stopped reading it at any point. I just chose not to. So th- that's what had happened with that. <laughs> <laughs> when when you decided to write the book, did you let your friends and family? Did you give them a heads up? Like, hey, I'm going to write this book. It's it's a about me and, and about, you know, what's gone on with me, but there may be some circumstances that you might be aware of, but aren't fully aware of, or, I mean, how did you lay the carpet out for that? Um, so honestly, this is a pen name, um, and my family has not read it. They don't <gasps> know that it exists. Um, Craig has read it, and that is the only friend actually in the book that's read it. Um, and all my, my, my friends since then, or that I've made since then a lot of them have read it but yeah a lot of the people that were featured in the book have not read it well this whole having you on a radio show seems a little bit awkward right now (laughs) i don't know i think i think the the cat may be out of the proverbial bag (laughs) i'm i'm just saying so um let's go ahead and uh get you to uh, the final reading because it does it does end well and even though you are just a young man what 36 just 35 um, I'm 40. Oh, darn, whatever. You're just, you're just a kid. You're just a pup. And just 40 years old, I mean, it does tell a, a tale of someone who went through some things and was able to eloquently and in a very gripping and very real way explain how you were feeling, explain your sights, explain your senses. And, and in the end, honestly, I mean, come out the side a better person to me, you know, my interpretation of the book. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I feel like I did, too. Awesome. Um, so let's go ahead and have you uh, do a reading from, and, and spoiler alert, anyone who's thinking about reading the book, turn your radio off right now because this is the, the ending. So here we go. Mr. Scott Sterling. Cool. I stopped using. I wish I had a better explanation, but I don't. I stopped as fast as I started. 
I haven't had the slightest craving to relapse and consider myself extremely fortunate because I don't need rehab or a drug counselor or a 12-step program. I just needed to reach my own breaking point, a shiny orange box cutter against my jugular. I figured on a long enough timeline there would only be two possible outcomes, prison or death. If I continued using, I would overdose, get murdered, murder someone else, or kill myself. The thought of one of those possibilities scared me straight. Call it destiny, call it fate, call it whatever the you want. I somehow escaped the situation almost unscathed. I'm sure I did irreversible damage to my body, health, and mind, but I'm still breathing and not behind prison bars. I could have easily ended up like Brad or the guy who murdered. Okay. Who's Brad? Uh, Brad, he was one of our drug dealers. He's featured somewhere in the, about halfway through the book, he comes in. And how did he end up? He's in prison for life. Okay. And and without, you know, doing too much spoiler on it, because, I mean, I did warn the readers not to listen. Uh, Explain the situation that Brad got himself into. He was in a bad uh, drug deal that went bad and ended up shooting someone and got convicted of murder and attempted murder. So once again, proving uh, drugs end out uh, three ways. Uh, You stop, you die, or you go to prison. Is is that? Yeah, that's what. And that's just my interpretation. Oh, that's a conclusion I came up with, too. Okay. So, and, and... how often do you, you think how close you could have come to still being in that lifestyle and, and still living that way? It's been so long and I haven't, it hasn't crossed my mind. Writing the book did bring up a lot of old memories and that was some parts were extremely, extremely hard to write. Um, but like I said, I, since I published it, I haven't gone back and looked at it. And um, yeah, like, like I consider myself lucky. Like I, I could have ended up a lot worse. Please tell me that you know in the back of your mind that at some point somebody in your family is going to find out about the book. Um, yeah, possibly. What are I you going to say? Well, I mean, this is this is what happened. I, I, I wasn't proud of, I'm not proud of anything, most of the stuff that happened in the book. Um, so hopefully I've, since then I've done enough that that they will, that they'll overlook and just realize I was addicted to a drug. End of the day, family's family. End of the day. Yep. Life in Colorado. Life in Colorado is... Life in Colorado to me. Do you want to let us know what you think of the show, or do you have a group or issues you want us to cover? Or maybe just a quick comment to let us know you're listening. This is your show, and we want to hear from you. Drop us a line at lifeincolorado at salem.com. That's lifeincolorado at salem.com. Now, there's a question that I ask of folks that come on the show, and I'm going to ask you, being somebody who, you know, had your youth here and now you're a grown-up here, uh, what does life in Colorado mean to you? Life in Colorado to me, I love it. I've been here since 88, and don't see myself ever leaving again. I love the people. I love the mountains. I love the scenery. I love pretty much every, pretty much everything. 
I've been to a ton of places throughout the country, and places are great, but nothing to bear to hear. Thank you so much for, for joining us, Scott. The, the book is amazing. It's riveting. It's it's real. It paints a picture that, that while we don't totally want to look at it, maybe some of us really should see. Are you working on anything right now? I just finished my second book within the last few months, and I'm looking for a publisher. And if I don't find a publisher, I will self-publish this one again. So hopefully it'll be out in the next six months to a year. Okay. Spoiler alert. What's it about? So it's after the, it's another book about me, and it's about my life as a musician. I spent basically at the conclusion of Teenage Degenerate, I started to play music, and it's basically about the 15 years of playing music in Denver and throughout the country. Oh, so it's going to have some, some flavor about the local scene here. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was in four, the, the book features four local bands that I was in during that time frame. Uh, thank you so much, Scott. We appreciate you taking the time. And, and once again, the book is amazing. And good luck on the new book. Awesome. Thank you.
that does it for our show today. Richard Robertson is our show producer. I'm Maria Oliver, and this is Life in Colorado. If you have questions or comments about today's program, please call 303-750-5687. Life in Colorado is a public affairs presentation of Salem Media of Colorado.